Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This next two weeks will be critical for us. Tonight, another record-setting number, and now the tough new provincial health orders to stop the spread of COVID. Plus. We are so happy. Yeah, (laughs) that's my reaction. Reaction here and across the border to Joe Biden projected to be the next president of the United States. And. We don't understand why somebody would do this. The incident that has left an 89-year-old in hospital and his family demanding answers. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. Yet another day of record-setting COVID cases in B.C. has our provincial health officer enacting new orders. In an effort to halt the spread, the restart plan is being temporarily halted in two regions. Today, Dr. Bonnie Henry held a rare weekend briefing to announce that starting at 10 o'clock tonight and for the next two weeks, residents in the Fraser and Vancouver coastal health regions may not gather socially with anyone outside their immediate household and people can only travel to those regions if it's essential. Nadia Stewart has more in tonight's top story. It is an increase in cases Dr. Bonnie Henry says is dangerously high. Over the last two weeks the virus has been spreading rapidly in workplaces and in people's homes forcing an urgent and targeted crackdown. I am putting in place new provincial health officer orders. Um, for all individuals, places of work and businesses in communities within the, the Vancouver Coastal and Fraser Health regions, with the exception of the Central Coast and Bella Coola Valley. As of Saturday night, social gatherings of any size in private homes are not allowed beyond immediate household members. Funerals and weddings at any location beyond immediate household members are also prohibited. Indoor group physical activities, including spin, dance and yoga classes, to name a few, must be suspended for the next two weeks. And any indoor sport like minor hockey or basketball where physical distancing cannot be maintained is out too doesn't come as a surprise, I guess. Eventually, with the numbers going up over the past two weeks, something was going to happen. Travel between regions is also being discouraged. Party buses and limos cannot operate until further notice. And all businesses must conduct active worker screening for anyone working on site. We now have community transmission in this area, which is at that point that even small groups, we can get rapid transmission to larger numbers, and then it gets multiplied from there. The new orders come as the province announced 567 new cases Saturday. Henry says there has been an increase in the number of people with serious illness needing care. The province hopes people willingly comply with the new orders so they don't have to resort to enforcement by police, bylaw officers or public health inspectors. Uh, At this point, we're expecting more limitations. 
I think it's just part of life now. Everybody has to pull together. It doesn't matter how old you are, whether you're a baby or whether you're 100. Everybody has to do the exact same thing. The order takes effect Saturday night at 10 o'clock and will remain in place until November 23rd at noon. Nadia Stork, Global News. The new orders come just as the Vancouver Park Board resumed some public programming at eight arenas in the city, including skating at Sunset Arena, with uh, new safety measures, of course, in place. But Park Board officials are now trying to figure out if they can resume that program, given the temporary orders by Dr. Henry. Sport BC says it has questions about the order, but for now says there are no minor hockey games or competitions in the Lower Mainland for the next two weeks. In the absence of games, individual exercises and drills will continue. All right, now to the other big story of the day. Democrat Joe Biden has defeated Donald Trump. He will become the 46th president of the United States. After four days of uncertainty, Biden made his first address as president-elect just a short time ago. The people of this nation have spoken. They've delivered us a clear victory, a convincing victory, a victory for... We, the people, we've won with the most votes ever cast on presidential ticket in the history of the nation, 74 million. And this remarkable election was uh, remarkable for a number of reasons, not the least of which was the fact that more than 74 million Americans voted for the Biden-Harris team more than any other presidential ticket in U.S. history. The Electoral College vote won in Pennsylvania pushed Biden over the threshold to win. But as Global News' Jennifer Johnson reports, so far, Donald Trump has not conceded defeat. It is now official. Joe Biden is America's president-elect. Biden has spent days appealing for calm after a long, anxious wait. We have to put the anger and the demonization behind us. It's time for us to come together as a nation to heal. It's not going to be easy. We have to try. Hundreds celebrated outside the White House, which was walled off before the election. President Trump had left to go golfing. Biden supporters cheered and danced in the streets across the country. We're so excited. We're so excited. America spoke. We won. We won. Every vote counted. We believed in our hearts that Biden was best for the United States. This is a history-making moment for Vice President-elect Kamala Harris, who has become the first woman and first person of black and South Asian descent to become vice president. We did it. We did it, Joe. You're going to be the next president of the United States. <laughs> Millions demanded change over chaos, but the election was close and many Trump supporters are angry. Joe Biden's job to heal the country has just begun. And Global's Reggie Cicchini is live in Washington, D.C. tonight. Reggie, Joe Biden winning his third run at the presidency, but in a still very divided nation. It is still incredibly a divided nation, Colleen. You know, here in Black Lives Matter Plaza, we don't see, it's not fully Joe Biden supporters. It's not fully Kamala Harris supporters. It is all anti-Trump supporters that are standing in this uh, plaza right now. But across the country, it is not the same. That's why we heard Joe Biden in that speech try to reach his hand out and draw in those Trump supporters, draw in those Republicans and draw in those disenfranchised Democrats who may not have been enthused 
with his selection uh, for the Democratic nominee and his ultimate uh, position now as president-elect. But again, Donald Trump has left this, this country divided politically. It is emotionally exhausted. And it is going to be Joe Biden's uh, uh, responsibility now to try and mend that rift that exists in this country. It is going to be a difficult task. But we heard from him tonight that he's up for that challenge. There are still, what, 75 days remaining in the Trump presidency. What could happen between now and January? Well, look, Joe Biden has a transition team that is going to start its work to get him ready for when he is inaugurated and takes the office on 1201 uh, on January 20th. The issue here is there is a small department in Washington with a big responsibility, the General Services Administration. The politically appointed director of that has to essentially say that a person has won the election in order to unlock funding, roughly $10 million, to get their transition team in place to start vetting things like their cabinet members. There has been no uh, determination from this department that Joe Biden is the winner. So it's eating into his time to be able to get things rolling for when he takes the presidency early next year. This is problematic, but he's basically been running. Joe Biden's been running a shadow cabinet for weeks now. So he's trying to get things going here. But that money is crucial. And this all kind of goes along with the fact that we still have yet to hear from President Trump uh, in a con- basically to concede and offer that congratulatory phone call to Joe Biden. Still so much more to come. Reggie, thank you so much. Canadians have also been closely watching the race for the White House. British Columbians definitely have opinions on today's historic developments. Kristen Robinson has that part of the story. And it is now my great honor to introduce the president-elect of the United States of America, Joe Biden. The U.S. president-elect and vice president-elect Kamala Harris addressing the nation after Joe Biden's home state of Pennsylvania pushed him past the 270 electoral votes required to win the White House. I pledge to be a president who seeks not to divide, but unify. Biden's victory prompting celebrations in Canada including this outside Vancouver's Trump Hotel. We are so happy. Yeah, (laughs) that's my reaction. Democrats abroad also thrilled with record voter turnout. We're expecting double the percentage of voters uh, from abroad and here in Canada. B.C. Premier John Horgan tweeting, It's done, and offering his heartfelt congratulations to Biden and Harris. Great news. Action side relief. I feel relieved. I just think, uh, like, let's move forward to another time, another era. And I don't think we can really breathe easy until he either concedes the race or Biden is sworn in. It's the end of a, a government that has been catastrophic in its ineptitude in many respects. And I think in some ways it's been a kind of near-death experience for a democracy. Canada's Prime Minister stating he looks forward to working with the new administration as, quote, we tackle the world's greatest challenges together. Justin Trudeau including COVID-19, climate action and economic prosperity on that list. We uh, are going to see a better relationship between Canada and the United States on a host of issues uh, from uh, trade to investment and and so forth. There's been so much tension and division over the past four and a half years. I think people want to respite from that. You know, we want to break. We want to come together and rebuild, build back better. And that's that's a Biden-Harris ticket. Kristen Robinson, Global News. 
In the Fraser Valley, an Abbotsford family is speaking out, warning others after their grandfather was attacked in broad daylight on Friday, sending him to the hospital with serious injuries. Julia Foy has the story. The doctors told us that, you know, he's not going to be able to walk the same again. 89-year-old Kartar is in Abbotsford Regional Hospital awaiting emergency hip surgery after a terrifying incident Friday morning. We don't understand why somebody would do this and why would they would attack, you know, an, an old man who's minding his own business. Qatar was on his way to Cedar Park to visit some of his favorite South Asian shops, but he never made it. Before he could actually get to the crosswalk, here in front of the bank, he was pushed to the ground. They just violently shoved him to the ground and then they walked away. Kartar's grandson Sonny asked us not to reveal the family's last name until a suspect is caught. In recent months there have been similar assaults against seniors in Burnaby and Vancouver which officials have labeled as hate crimes. I'm saddened, disturbed and disappointed to report that despite police efforts Despite, despite engagement with community and public concern and outrage, this trend continues in the city. Abbotsford police told Global News that while Kartar's file is under investigation, there is no indication at this time that it was a hate crime. But Sonny wants to warn the public in the hopes another senior won't be victimized. We're also just in shock. Uh, we're really upset that this happened. It's just so random and so violent and just has such huge repercussions on someone's life. You know, nobody ever expects something like this to happen to them. And that's why we just wanted to warn people. Anyone who witnessed the incident or may have dash cam video is asked to call Abbotsford Police. Julia Foy, Global News. A BCRCMP officer has been acquitted on manslaughter of manslaughter in connection with a fatal shooting during a traffic stop almost six years ago. A Supreme Court jury in Nelson found Constable Jason Tate not guilty last night. In January of 2015, Tate pulled over a suspected impaired driver near Castlegar. When the Mountie got out of his vehicle, the suspect vehicle drove towards him and clipped the back of the police car. Tate fired a single shot. 39-year-old Waylon Eddy died in hospital. Efforts are underway to have the replacement of one of the province's busiest bridges named with an indigenous influence. The Métis Nation of BC has penned a letter to the Premier to have the Patello Bridge replacement named Reconciliation Bridge. The Patello, which connects New Westminster to Surrey, is named after former BC Premier Thomas Dufferin Patello. The replacement bridge is slated to be complete in 2023. The Métis Nation says that provides an opportunity to recognize that the bridge is on the territorial, the traditional territory of the Coast Salish people and should reflect that. I think this is a great step for us to, like I said earlier, to recognize the Indigenous people in this province, Métis and First Nations, and renaming uh, landmarks and important monuments I think is important to, to the people that were here at the very beginning. A number of billboards in West Kelowna are drawing attention for all the wrong reasons. A controversial organization has purchased the ad space to question the safety of vaccines and the government's COVID-19 measures. Darian Matassa-Fung Matassa has more. It's pretty disappointing to see. Anti-lockdown and anti-vaccine ads have popped up on some West Kelowna billboards. Several ads cycle through on the digital billboards. One says COVID is the cure worse than the illness. Another says masks, distancing, lockdowns. Are they working? 
the ads are causing some controversy in the Okanagan. With the case count that rises daily in BC, that now's not the time to question the science behind the the pandemic. I, I strongly believe in um, in the health industry. I strongly believe in um, Dr. Bonnie Henry and her advice to from the from the public health office. Um, I'm 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 bewildered as to why people would think that the government's trying to control us. One ad directs people to a website called Vaccine Choice Canada. The website is filled with anti-vaccination propaganda, anti-lockdown petitions, and other articles claiming COVID-19 measures have gone too far. I think that those ads are quite ignorant and uh, misplaced, uh, misguided. I happen to have a sister who's a doctor and a daughter who's a doctor, and they're coping with all of this every day. The billboards are managed by a company named Mountain Media. The company did not respond to requests for an interview, but on its website it does say any graphic whatsoever may be used as long as it's not offensive. Vaccine Choice Canada has two Okanagan chapters, one in Lake Country and Vernon. Neither responded to our requests for interviews in time for broadcast. In a statement, Interior Health says it hopes the public will rely on trusted and accurate public health information, such as that provided by Dr. Bonnie Henry, Interior Health Medical Officers, and the BC Centre for Disease Control. Darian Matassafon, Global News, West Kelowna. A small snowmobile destination southeast of Prince George is confirming its first case of COVID-19. McBride in the Robson Valley is home to 600 people. The village says the person infected is self-isolating and contact tracing is underway. Nestled between the Rockies and the Caribou Mountains, McBride would normally see a huge influx of Albertan visitors during snowmobile season. Bylaw officers are now assessing how prepared the village is for a second wave of COVID and developing a best practices document in conjunction with Northern Health. RCMP patrols on BC ferries are now helping enforce transportation rules. Officers are hitting the lower deck car, car decks where Transport Canada forbids passengers from staying in their vehicles. The regulation stems from a fire on a Newfoundland Labrador ferry in 2003. Now, this spring, the federal agency issued a six-month exemption in a bid to curb the spread of COVID-19, but the rules were reinstated in September. Many, including the Ferry Workers Union, say forcing people to leave their vehicles and sit together above deck for an hour and a half is not good public health policy during a pandemic. Seeing enforcement agents on board is something that uh, certainly makes us feel a lot more comfortable doing our job. Uh, that said, it's definitely an un uncomfortable situation for everyone. If we see things like that coming into place, if we see numbers continuing to grow, and we see uh, increasing emphasis on social distancing, having large num numbers of people in passenger lounges during cold weather just becomes increasingly more difficult and I think untenable. Significant developments in the B.C. election results today. As the final count continues this weekend, the formerly, formerly, formerly liberal riding of Abbotsford Mission has gone NDP. For the first time, the party making huge inroads in this part of the province. Pam Alexis is the projected winner with just over 700 votes between her and the incumbent Liberal Simon Gibson. The Liberal incumbent in Fraser Nicola held onto her seat. Jackie Taggart has defeated the NDP candidate in a close race with fewer than 300 votes between them. 
The NDP's Kelly Patton has unseated former B.C. Liberal incumbent Lori Throness in Chilliwack, Kent. Throness took to Twitter to concede and congratulate Patton on her convincing victory and to wish her every success as she serves her constituents and to offer her all my assistance in the transition. And Kelly Green in Richmond Steveston is also projected to take another seat for the NDP. The Liberal candidate fell behind by more than a thousand votes. It's an historic breakthrough for the NDP in an area the party hasn't been successful in since the 1970s. We're still waiting for the results from Richmond South Centre. Every veteran has a unique story and now an effort is underway to capture them. It's called Honour Country Sacrifice and Trevor Godino hopes to photograph more than 400 veterans across Canada. His portraits include both active and retired members with a showing, uh, a showing of who we are as Canadians in a national exhibit. He's looking for veterans of all types, men, women, people of colour, Indigenous and those from the LGBTQ2 plus community. That they could see themselves in the people who serve or have served and also realize that these are regular people that one day woke up in the morning and like, I made a decision to sacrifice. It's also important for a lot of the veterans out there for them to know that we haven't forgotten them, that they're still there in our hearts, in our minds. We honour what they've done for us, for us as a nation of Canadians. So I think it's a great project that he's taken on and he needs all the support he can possibly get across Canada to record that. After a record turnout by voters and four long days of waiting, Joe Biden is now the projected winner and president-elect of the United States. The news sparked a wave of celebrations among Democrats today, including in Seattle's Capitol Hill neighborhood. And given how divided the nation is, it also sparked protests. After four days of waiting and counting, thousands spill out, many literally dancing in the streets with the news that Joe Biden is now the president-elect. He won! You know what? Goodness won! That's who won! Screaming, singing. And cheering. Crowds gathering from the West Coast through New England, impromptu celebrations, some that include champagne toasts. In many places, though, the parties are met with protests. President Trump's supporters, like the president himself, challenging the outcome and promising a legal fight. You committed voter fraud! Cheaters! Cheaters! Others, though, accepting the results and focused on the future. It's not the results that I was personally hoping for, but it is what it is, and best of luck to us with the new president. The new president of a country still deeply divided. Jay Gray, NBC News, Washington. Following the election call, President Trump departed the White House this morning en route to the Trump National Golf Club in Sterling, Virginia. The motorcade passed people holding Biden-Harris signs standing near Trump supporters. Madame Tussauds in London, England, has redressed the president's wax figure. Yeah, the Waxwork Museum clothed the president in golfing attire to reflect the fact that he may have more time on his hands in January. The figure was previously dressed in a presidential suit. 
President Trump's chief of staff, Mark Meadows, has tested positive for COVID-19. Meadows is the latest White House staffer to test positive. Meadows attended several election gatherings this week. His positive test comes as the U.S. set a record for new infections on Friday with more than 120,000 positive tests. A number of other staffers are said to be infected, including senior Trump campaign aide Nick Trainer. Israel has come under heavy criticism after the military demolished several homes and other structures in an impoverished Bedouin community in the occupied West Bank, while much of the world's attention was focused on the U.S. election. On November 3rd, Israeli troops demolished 18 tents and other structures that housed 74 people, including 41 children, according to an Israeli human rights group. The Israeli military said the structures were built without permission. A European Union representative called the demolition a violation of international law. You may recall the interview in which Diana, Princess of Wales, infamously said there were three of us in this marriage. It's still sparking controversy more than 23 years after her death. Diana was separated from Prince Charles, but not yet divorced in 1995 when she did the BBC Panorama interview with reporter Martin Bashir. Her brother, Earl Spencer, now says the journalist made a number of false and defamatory claims about senior royals in order to secure the interview with Diana. Those claims include fake bank statements that wrongly purported to show two senior courtiers were being paid by the Secret Service for information on Diana. The BBC is promising to carry out a robust and independent investigation, but the probe is hampered by the fact Bashir is seriously ill with COVID-19 complications. In Health Matters tonight, preliminary results are in on that concert experiment done this past summer. And could such events actually spread COVID? The New York Times reports the findings from the test event in Leipzig, Germany, suggest that indoor concerts have a low impact on infection rates, provided they are well ventilated and they're at half the normal capacity. Researchers recommended installing new ventilation systems that refresh the air in the venue, implement seated and seated food and beverage breaks, mandate masks, and ensure attendees get into the venue through multiple entrances. The study has not been peer-reviewed, with critics saying the results have not been replicated. A new UCLA study found that working women, that is women who work outside the home, may benefit in later life in terms of their brain health. More than 6,000 middle-aged women were followed over a 12-year period. Researchers found women who were employed were less prone to memory decline, even if they took time off to raise children. Experts say the findings do not prove that paid work preserves brain health. Instead, social and mental stimulation may help ward off memory loss. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. No social distancing here, but that's not what concerns researchers at this rare site. We're going to have that story for you right after Yvonne's forecast. And Yvonne, you're telling us we might have to wear socks with our sandals on Monday? <laughs> yeah, we just had Andrew up in the control room asking if he can still wear his sandals. Uh, there is going to be some snow potentially on the way. We've got a special weather statement. Metro Vancouver is included within that, and I'll have the timeline and how much snow we can anticipate in just a moment. First off, this is a great uh, photo that was captured in 
Kelowna of the frost this morning. So thank you so much, Sandra. Right now we are seeing dry conditions. We've had some sunshine. It was very pleasant, but chilly out there across Metro Vancouver. We're currently sitting at 5 degrees. We've got a northerly wind at 13 kilometers per hour. By this afternoon, though, highs today were closer to 8 degrees. We managed to climb into the double digits near Tofino. 11 is the high. Across the central interior, Prince George topping out at the freezing mark and a chilly one for areas near the Peace with highs up to minus 5. The winds have been breezy through the day. It'll continue, especially this evening, overnight and through the day tomorrow. Right now, we do have sustained winds, for example, in Hope at 11, but there are gusts of up to 30 kilometers per hour in areas near House Down right now with a gust of just over 60 kilometers per hour. Overnight tonight, bundle up and for the early morning hours, we'll dip down below the freezing mark to minus 1. Through the morning tomorrow, chilly starting by the afternoon with some sunshine highs up to 8 degrees, so very similar to what we're seeing for today. Ridge of high pressure has been building in across the province. It'll continue to strengthen for tomorrow. The combination, though, we've got some cool Arctic air that is going to push in across the province and with it, precipitation, so we do have the ingredients and the potential for snow. Now, the system is going to move in along the northern half of the province. Now, the timeline, it'll be late tomorrow for the north coast, overnight and for the morning hours on Monday. As it moves in across Monday, it'll likely intensify in the afternoon and evening. And that's the time period that we're watching with that potential for some snowfall. And we could see anywhere between a trace and up to five centimeters for areas above 200 meters. So a heads up, especially along the North Shore Mountains, Westwood Plateau, SFU, the usual spots will be included within that. Now, the special weather statement extends along the Sunshine Coast, Howe Sound and eastern areas into the Fraser Valley. And the timeline, once again, will be Monday night above 200 meters. So that trace and potentially up to five centimeters. So stay tuned. We'll be tracking that snow potentially as we get into early next week. Now for the northern half of the province, it'll be a nice dry start to the morning. The rain develops. The heaviest precipitation will be Monday or Sunday night rather into Monday morning. Most areas across the interior will start to see that increase in cloud cover. For the central interior, it's dry tomorrow. The potential though for some snowfall will be on Monday. And much of the southern interior, plenty of sunshine. It's going to be chilly through the day. But a heads up, the winds are going to pick up. There are gusts anywhere between 40 and up to 60 kilometers per hour. Whistler in the sunshine tomorrow. Highs up to 3 degrees. Windy once again, especially for areas that are closer to the water. We're looking at a range in temperatures tomorrow. Tofino back into the double digits, but cooler near Port Hardy up to 5. For tomorrow, Sunday, sunny and windy. It'll be Monday, especially for the evening hours, with the potential for some snow. The system is quick moving. That's the silver lining. It'll clear out quite quickly. We'll be back into some sunshine and nice breaks for Tuesday and Wednesday. Colleen? I'm glad there's some good news there. Thanks you so bet. much, Yvonne. Scientists in northern Russia have discovered what's known as a huge Atlantic walrus haulout. Have a look at this. Thousands of animals, sometimes in layers, are laying on a frozen beach of the icy Kara Sea, where their habitat is under threat from shrimp drinking ice and human activity. The haul-out, a place of refuge for the animals, and scientists say they counted more than 3,000 there last month alone. Walrus haul-outs have traditionally been located on drifting sea ice or on Arctic islands, but warmer climate cycles mean sea ice is shrinking and habitats are also under threat from oil and gas exploration and increased Arctic shipping. Yeah, I'm sorry, I, I look at this image and I think Barry did not get the memo. Oh, yes, with the white. I was going to say it looked cold in there. Well, it did look but cold in there. walruses have a bit of fat. I did some research. The, uh, full, <laughs> I, I saw what walruses, 4,400 pounds for the average. Well, average seriously? Adult. That's big. 4,400. 4,400. Yeah. Wow. 
they don't look a bit over 3,900. Yeah, 3,500 on, <laughs> on a diet. <laughs> what do you got coming up? Uh, well, we'll look ahead to the uh, Seahawks game. Big uh, road test tomorrow in Buffalo against the Bills, who are much improved this year. So we'll have that uh, with Chanel in the red zone and Milos Raonic trying to get to the finals of a big tennis tournament in Paris as well. All right. Looking forward to it. Thanks, Barry. Vice President-elect Kamala Harris is making history today. The first woman and first woman of color on a winning presidential ticket. It's an emotional victory for so many and one that could change the trajectory of many young lives. Eric Sorensen reports. We are here! It is a breakthrough more than 200 years in the making. Kamala Harris, the first woman who is also the first black and South Asian female to be voted vice president of the United States. A phone call with the boss captured the moment. We did it. We did it, Joe. You're going to be the next president of the United States. <laughs> and 56-year-old Kamala Harris will be by his side. To have someone like her, of her intelligence and depth, and her background in the White House. It's a good day for America. A former high schooler in Montreal, a groundbreaking district attorney in California, and a tough-as-nails senator, Harris clashed with Biden during her presidential run, but she was always seen as Biden's likeliest pick for VP. After a summer of unrest over racial injustice, Harris was Biden's choice. As you all know, is smart, she's tough, she's experienced, she's a proven fighter. Opposite the oldest president in history, Harris is expected to be an active VP. She will inject youth, energy, and passion in the White House. We have a chance to choose a better future for our country. The role of vice president is often viewed as symbolic more than substantive. But as the first female after 48 male vice presidents, the symbolism will carry the weight of expectations and history. And it's possible more history lies ahead. In the last 60 years, five vice presidents, if you include Biden, have gone on to serve as president of the United States. Eric Sorensen, Global News. Barry's here with sports. And Barry, with the Seahawks uh, in Buffalo, I always expect that it's going to be cold and snowy there, but not so. No, apparently it's going to be uh, 18 degrees and sunny in Buffalo. Kind of makes you think you want to live there. Kind of. Well, maybe. <laughs> Just for one day and then back here. All right. Thanks, Colleen. The Seahawks will be uh, shuffling off to Buffalo tomorrow to take on the AFC East leading Bills. This will be another good test for Seattle. Buffalo is 6-2 and two and seems to have made the jump to AFC contender. But Seattle can strengthen its claim as the top team in the NFC if they can come through on the road. Chanel comes through for you again in the red zone. It is the marquee matchup of the week. Two division leaders with Super Bowl aspirations. Now, the Seahawks got back on track after the win last week against the 49ers, while the Bills enter Sunday's tilt, having won two straight. But Buffalo's 6-2 and two record is a bit deceiving, as three of those wins have come against teams who are combined 2-21 and 21 on the season. The Bills used a ground attack last week versus the Patriots, racking up a season-high 190 yards with three rushing touchdowns. Now, if Devin Singletary and Zach Moss can control the clock on the ground and keep the Hawks' offense off the field, the Bills will have a chance. 
Josh Allen is number five among quarterbacks, throwing for almost 2,200 yards and 16 touchdowns. He'll try to expose that shoddy Seahawks secondary, dead last against the pass. Now, Allen's deep threat target is Stephon Diggs, who is number two with almost 700 yards receiving and three touchdowns. As for the defense, the secondary is banged up and now has to try and slow down Russell Wilson and DK Metcalf, who will have a huge height advantage on every Bills defender. The Seahawks' best defender is back. Jamal Adams returns after missing four games. Now, while they are still dead last, the Hawks did shut down the Niners last week, holding them to just seven points in the first three quarters. Now, Seattle did post three sacks and an interception. The Hawks have scored at least 27 points in every game this season and 30-plus in six of those seven games. Now, despite injuries in the backfield, Seattle did rush for 101 yards and DJ Dallas had a touchdown. But with Chris Carson still questionable, expect Wilson to go to the air often, using possibly the best one-two punch in the NFL. The Seahawks are favored by less than a field goal and are 5-2 against the spread this season. And here's a couple of interesting stats. The Seahawks have won seven straight games that kicked off at 10 a.m. Pacific time and are 18-6 in the early starts dating back to 2013. All right, Paris Open semifinals, 10th seed Milos Raonic meeting number three Daniel Medvedev of Russia. First set on serve tied at two, but Medvedev gets a bit of a lucky break here on the pass, hits the net cord, and that throws Milos's timing way off. Medvedev would get the break and went up 3-2 in the set. Medvedev holds his serve the rest of the way as uh, he will eventually hit the clean backhand winner. Pass Milos and you know, take the first set six games to four. But in the second set, Milos going shot for shot with Medvedev. And this is impressive work at the net by the big man. One volley. That's a second. Here's the best one. Great reaction to stab the winner there for Milos. Second set would end up going to a tie break. But Medvedev took control and had two match points. He would only need one. Big first serve. Actually, good return by Milos there, but Medvedev takes out Raonic 6-4-7-6. Medvedev will meet Alex Zverev in the finals. Zverev beat Rafa Nadal in the other semi. Canadian Felix Auger-Aliassime, though, has made it to the doubles final in Paris. PGA Tour in Houston, third round of the Vivint Houston Open. Canadian Corey Connors in contention, just two off the lead, playing the par 5 16th. Birdie on his mind, but disaster. Wayward iron shot. Finds the water. Corey made double bogey there. Doubled the 17th. Bogeyed the 18th. Lost five shots in his last three holes. Went from 5th to 22nd. He's at one under. The leader, Sam Burns, will chip in for Eagle at the 8th. He's got a one-shot lead over Jason Day. Dustin Johnson is three shots back. PGA Champions Tour for the 50-plus crowd. Second round of the Charles Schwab Cup Championship from Phoenix. Canadian Mike Weir getting ready for the Masters next week. Playing some good golf now. All those injuries, it seemed like for a decade for Weir. Nice shot out of the bunker. Tap in birdie. Weir tied for fifth. He is at six under par, but it's a long way back at the leader, Kevin Sutherland, who finished his round off in style. 
Check out the uh, approach good. at the par That's 5 really 18th, good. his third there shot. That is going just by the hole. Could have been an eagle. Tap in birdie. Seven under 65 today. He's got a five-shot lead at 13 under. Final round goes tomorrow. English Premiership. Chelsea in last place. Sheffield United tied one all in the first half. Cross to the far post. It's Ben Chilwell who will bunt this one in with his thigh. Awkward but effective. 2-1 Chelsea at the half. Then the free kick, virtually a corner here, and it's Thiago Silva heading it home. 3-1, Chelsea in control, and then a few minutes later, they'll put this one to bed. Sheffield United playing it back to their keeper, but it's Timo Werner who picks it off and fires it in. Chelsea dump Sheffield United 4-1. Chelsea now in third place. Everton now and Manchester United. Bruno Fernandes got a pair for United as uh, they win this one by the final of 3-1. Everton's 4-0 start, now a distant memory. Three losses and a draw since then. The Breeders' Cup featuring the top thoroughbreds in the world wrapped up today at Keeneland Racecourse in Lexington, Kentucky. The Classic went to a horse that's already enjoyed success earlier this year, Kentucky Derby winner Authentic. And they're into the stretch. And here comes Improbable after Authentic. The two Bob Baffert horses. Authentic takes in. Improbable to the outside second. Tis the law trying to make a run down the center of the track. But it's Authentic in front. He won the Derby. He won the Breeders' Cup Classic. He's Authentic indeed. He won it by two and a half. And there was Improbable second, followed by Global Campaign in third. And they are playing hockey games in Europe. Canucks first-rounder Vasily Podkolzin leading Russia past Sweden at the Karahala Cup. Cheeky little effort here on the shootout by Podkolzin, who could be in a Canucks uniform a couple of seasons from now. He's got a lot of talent, and Canucks would love to have him here soon. Hmm. Very lucky Spanish service dogs found their forever homes after retirement. Have a look at these guys. They're so cute. I think. It's coming. There we go. The animal ceremony inside Madrid City Hall was attended by community leaders, politicians, and members of Spain's emergency services. The group Four-Legged Heroes campaigns for the adoption of dogs formerly working for Spanish security forces. Look at that cutie. The dogs are put up for adoption due to old age or health problems. Some 50 police dogs retire every year. Many of their carers, police officers on active service, are able to adopt them after retirement. Aww. So loyal. They're so loyal and I love that they, they honor them with that big ceremony you every deserve year. deserve it. Well deserved. Yeah. Can we adopt them all? The canine unit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, that is the news hour for now. Jordan's here at 11. Thanks for joining us. We hope you will be back here again tomorrow night. And in the meantime, have a good evening. Take care. <laughs>